In a world that can be challenging and at times unpredictable, it's hard to find moments to focus on what you need. Join Stephanie James on The Spark as she guides you to use your inner flame to ignite your best life. As a best-selling author, psychotherapist, transformational life coach, and international show host, Stephanie is dedicated to helping you create a life that takes you, your goals, and your passions to the next level so you can live a life that is fully lit up and fully alive. She believes that your life is meant to be a beautiful expression of the things that light you up, that by living your dreams, you give permission to others to do the same. Are you ready to feel alive and inspired to fuel your dreams and put a fire behind your desires? Let's ignite a spark in one another that will illuminate the world. The Spark with your host, Stephanie James, starts now. Welcome to The Spark. I'm your host, Stephanie James. So happy that you're joining me for another exciting episode. I'm so excited. My new friend, Lou Diamond, is here with me. Lou has an awesome podcast, Thrive. Is it Thrive Out Loud? No, it's just Thrive Loud. Just Thrive Thrive Loud. loud. I love that. I love it. I should know that, Lou, because I was just on it. And it's (laughs) awesome. And I love your premise. And I know that you have a book coming out. We talked some about that. So I'm just excited to talk to you about what is lighting you up right now. Oh, well, first of all, excited to be here as well. And what's lighting me up right now is all these lights around here. We just did a whole background check to talk about what <laughs> lights look like on video podcasts. Um, what's, what's lighting me up right now? Uh, I think it's really straightforward that I have always been about connecting other people. I have I love to tell people I was put on this planet to work with the most amazing businesses, leaders, and brands and help them thrive through connecting. That seems a little spiely, but to put it in its perspective, I love helping salespeople better connect to their targets, marketers better connect their message to their audience, and leaders better connect to their people. Stephanie, you know this, that when we connect with other humans and other people, there is this energy that takes place. There is Things get done more efficiently. Uh, we're more productive. We, we have a sense of trust. It's kind of like a better, happier place when we have connections between the people we work with, we live with, we try to aspire to be with. And what, I, what I'm kind of excited about is we've been disconnected for a pretty long time. And, and I'm not just talking about the pandemic. I'm talking from political views to social views to just a whole slew of activities that have kept us separated. And I've been all about bringing people together. And what I'm, what's lighting me up right now is that the whole world is trying to figure out how to get back together. So I have to help a lot of people. Um, so that's what I've been very much focused on. And, and it's, and it's certainly, certainly lighting me up each and every day. Well, it's awesome. I, I love that it has been going on for a long time. I was just talking with someone about it today that it's been, I think, since the cell phone came out, that people began to be addicted to this little thing that we hold in our hand. And that's really aided, I think, in our disconnection with one another. And so I have to tell you, meeting you, you are a person that I would definitely label as a connector. (laughs) You know, you're so easy to talk to and so easy to engage with. So tell us, tell me a little bit about what you're doing outside of the podcast. I mean, the podcast sounds like it's, it's amazing. You have amazing guests. 
what what for you is is your other what are the other endeavors right now so the easiest thing for me to look at the business that I deal with is that uh, I'm a sales and marketing consultant that that's the what most companies are hiring me for but I speak and I write about connecting I speak obviously through the uh, the, the speeches that I give at, to, to conferences, to companies, to businesses, the workshops that we do to get people to work on that skill of connecting. I write, uh, my first book was Master of the Art of Connecting because I kind of decoded what's going on between us. I kind of double clicked down a little bit further this time because I kind of figured out exactly the thing that people needed to hear right now as to where every connection we have in life begins because isn't that stephanie what we want to try and figure out if we know where we where our starting point is from a great connection well then let's get there and try to get to that starting point more often so i'll ask you kind of a little bit where do you think every connection begins well for me it begins in my own heart okay i like that right that's true right it's it's where we're gonna we're gonna bring somebody into our world if you would and that is something that's very important because that's when we've recognized actually that we've established the connection. But to get somebody into our heart, we have to begin something. We have to start at some starting point to see, is this person worthy enough to be in my heart, to be in my soul, to be in my world? Well, a conversation, right? Exactly. You nailed it. So that's it. It's a conversation is the epicenter, the starting point for every connection that we have in our lives. And when we have a great conversation, we know that's where we can get that connection. That's where that person steps into our heart. That's where we know that we can establish trust. That is where in sales, we start to connect to the targets we're going after. Marketing, that our message is connecting to our audience and and leaders and those who are inspiring others that we're connecting to the audience we're trying to speak with. But you and I know that not every conversation is a connecting conversation. Not everyone connects in the conversations they have. Not every conversation actually has meaning or depth. Some of them are just fleeting and kind of just, you know, it's like, you know, buying a pack of gum at the the grocery store. (laughs) We might have a conversation with the teller, but we're not trying to make a deep embedded connection with that person. What I realized, Stephanie, though, is that's maybe not the right way to think about it. What if every conversation you had led to a connection that helped you grow in your life, that helped you feel more inspired, that got into your heart, as you just said, What if we knew how to have every single conversation in a way that actually enabled us to make the connections that we want? That's what I wanted to drill into. And that's what I actually kind of believe that if we really work on the things that make a conversation connect, we can change so many things. We could start to bring the world together in a disconnected way. We could start to do things in that world that to using your word, Stephanie, are really in our heart. So with that, I tried to figure out what is it? And that became the epicenter of this book that I wrote called Speak Easy. Connect with every conversation. And I have basically learned from the lessons that I have had in my life from business, personal, the conversations behind the microphone and podcasting and interviewing that there were certain ways that you can have a conversation that are going to increase the likelihood that you can connect. I think it's so great. She's like, I want to hear more. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm like, I'm going. I'm like, just, I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm like, yes, yes. 
So, so, so think of it this way, right? The, the, the general thing that I learned is the thing that totally broke the mold. What broke the mold was I was trying all the time to figure out what were the things you needed to do to connect with other people, to make those conversations more engaging. What are the things you need to say? What are the things you need to plan for, prepare? What are the things that actually get you set up so that you're ready to have a conversation that's going to connect? And then I realized there, it's not as much important what you do. It's how you need to be. The art of connecting was always at the epicenter of what's inside of you and what I used to call your connecting core muscles, the, the ability to kind of like almost sense the room and relate with others. When it came to conversations and speakeasy so that you can connect with every conversation, there were the things you needed to work on and how you needed to be as a person. When you went in with certain ways that you were and the certain ways you can need to be before during and after that conversation, that's what people wanted to do with you. It was, the, it was the, the way you showed up at the conversation, the things you thought about beforehand, maybe even a mindset activity and getting your mind in the right mode to be someone you'd actually want to talk to. So I actually drilled down a lot of the steps on what you need to do to make yourself, position yourself in the way that you need to be so that you can actually have a great conversation each and every time. Yeah, I, I'm so aligned with this, Lou. I love this because it really goes with what's one of the things that's super important to me is waking up in the morning and having some kind of routine that I call a priming routine where we prime heart, soul, body, mind. Yeah. So I'm hearing like, this is a piece of that, like really priming, getting our mind in the right place, getting our hearts in the right place, getting ready so that we have the tools to engage where we are present. Because part of what I'm hearing in this is it's about having intentionality as we yeah. go into, into conversation. So it's interesting. When you think about conversations that you have with people that connect, I, I tried to almost backplace this. Like, what was it about the sales meeting you had with that particular prospect that really gelled? Or when you met someone socially and you started talking with them, what, what were the things that you talked about that made it actually easy to talk to that person versus not really even wanting to hear another person word come out of the person's mouth. And it actually took a lot of understanding of how conversations work within our minds and what we're actually trying to do. And the way we position the, the almost, I, I, this is going to sound a little woo-woo-y, but I, I'm talking to you, so I know I can get away with this on this program. Um, there is generally an intentionality when you set out to get every conversation started that we have. And we don't think that we're going to have a conversation this way, but if you actually act this way with just about every time you're about to engage with someone, it's a good way to do it. I could share this little teaser for the, for, for you to help your listeners. Would that be helpful? That's awesome. Yes. It's really straightforward. And since I'm all about connection, I'll make it really straightforward. And since I've run a podcast show, this analogy will be very applicable. It's that you need to connect your voice. V-O-I-C-E. Every time I step in to give a, a speech in front of a large audience, get ready to host a podcast show, be a guest on a podcast show, engage in a conversation with another human being, get ready for a sales meeting, marketing. I actually do this routine, um, which is kind of like my show prep, which is what I do before I engage in a conversation. And I call it connect your voice. The V is to visualize. 
Uh, there's a really good professional golfer out there named Jason Day who did this in 2015. He used to turn on the TV, and he was the best golfer in the world at that point. He won the PGA Championship. And this guy, you'd see the camera on him, and his eyes were closed as he was standing behind the ball. And he was visualizing not where the ball was going to end up. This is kind of the cool part. He actually was visualizing everything that he needed to do to make the ball end up where he wanted to go. He visualized all the things he had to do himself, where he had to position himself, where he had to bring the club back to, how he had to breathe, the weight shift that he needed to do, the contact, the extension, the follow through. Before he hit the ball, he visualized all that. And he opened his eyes, he stepped up the ball, and he executed on what he visualized. When I enter into every conversation, I want to visualize how that conversation is going to go. I have no idea where it's going to go, by the way, but I know where, how I want to feel. I know what I'd like to do. I know I'd like to meet someone. I'd like to learn something. And I go in there with kind of like, hey, if it's a networking meeting, for example, and I'm looking to meet people, I have no idea what these people do. And maybe they have a badge on their shirt that says what company they're working from, or they're from a certain place. I just want to be able to visualize that I'm going to have an encounter with someone that's going to be engaging. It's going to be fun. I'm going to learn something. And hopefully, and they're going to learn something about me too in that exchange, right? So that's the first thing. You have to visualize how it's going to go. Um, I do this before we do a podcast show. Right before you and I came on this program, since I'm normally a host of a program, now I'm on the other side of the microphone. I'm like, oh my God, I got to talk more, <laughs> which is weird, right? Because like, I actually have to explain some things and I have to figure out, well, what do I want to share? What, how do I want to relate to Stephanie? What do her listeners want? So I'm, I'm visualizing what a listener would he, if they were a fly on the wall of our conversation, which is what your listeners are doing, they're taking this conversation as content. Visualize that moment. The O is the next part, and you'll love this. This is the intentionality. The O is you have to know that every conversation that you have with another human being on this planet is a gift. You have to appreciate the opportunity, the O, opportunity you have to have a conversation with another human being. I don't think we often enough realize how amazing that is. A lot of times, you know, that conversation could be like, you know, you, you, you're driving in an intersection in a crowded uh, city and you get to the intersection, maybe you, you parked the car or you did something illegal and you, your conversation could be yelling at somebody else and you're not thinking that conversation went so well, right? But let's talk about it. I got a chance to voice my opinion on whether somebody made a bad driving decision or they got to voice it to me. There might've been some goal within that, but even in that bad moment, you got to appreciate the opportunity that I could talk to that person and say, Hey, can you help me out here? I got to get my car through, or I'm speaking with someone. I want to learn a little bit about what you do. I'm interested in your company, or I'd love to learn about what Stephanie does for a living and all the different great things she's brought into her coaching, her speaking, her podcast, her business, right? Her life. Understanding all that and appreciating that opportunity is how I need to be. I have to be so appreciative in, in, in a sense of gratitude that that chance to have a conversation itself is a gift. And you need to go in with that. Should I continue down the alphabetic rundown? Please do. I'm loving it. The I is the identity. You have to kind of know who you need to be in that conversation. As I just explained, here I am. I'm the guest on your program. I'm providing information to, the, to your listeners. I'm the one probably telling more of the story. Versus you asking the questions. You're the question asker. I might be the storyteller. Um, and in many of your instances, the roles that you play, you might be a good friend. 
that needs to listen. You might be a, a consult or someone who's going to provide advice to someone, and you may have to listen a different way. You might have to be checking to see if someone's doing something accurately. Um, or you might be another team leader that needs to take into consideration what's going on in this conversation and what role you need to play. Knowing your identity in a conversation, at least going in, because it will change as you have a back and forth conversation. Knowing it going in is very important because it sets you up for this preparedness on what at least you should be expecting yourself to be doing in the conversation. This is a little bit of the doing, but knowing how you need to be for that identity going in, it's kind of like an actor knowing the role that they need to be, but it's more like improv because you have to know what might be thrown at you. I'll blend the last two together here. And the C and the E are charisma and energy. The charisma you need to bring to every conversation is a little bit of yourself. Make it clear. I am no Stephanie James, not by a long shot, but I know I'm a Lou Diamond and I'm authentically who I am and I've got certain charisma. This high energy that I am, this is me all the time. This is who I am and I want to bring it every single time I have a conversation because I want someone to know that when they have a conversation with me, this is what you're going to get. I don't want to pretend. I don't want to be somebody else in a conversation because we want to connect with someone who's real. I want to connect with Lou. I want to connect with Stephanie. I want to connect with the people who are truly who they are. I want to find out what their superpower is. I try to unleash and find that out in conversations. I try to do that as a podcast host on the guests that come on the program. I want to uncover what they're doing. So learning about the charisma that you have and knowing how to express it. You don't need to shout it from the rooftops. You don't have to be if you're really loud. To, to, to elevate that up. But if that's part of who you are, you're supposed to inject some of that. If you're humorous, if you're dry, even if you're an introvert, it's okay. Just express, this is who I am as the, my normal self. And that's what people want to get comfortable with. Now, the E is a little challenging and the E is energy. The E is energy because let's make it clear. No one wants to connect with a dud. We want to have a conversation, Stephanie, with someone that has a little bit of a pulse. So when you're engaging in a conversation, you have to elevate things a little bit. So before I go into a conversation, I know I have to connect my voice. And that's the routine that I run through. I, I visualize what I need to do. I appreciate the opportunity. I know the identity I need to spend. I make sure I bring some of myself into this conversation. And I raise the energy a little, not all the way to the roofs like you're shouting. Raise it enough to create an energy between the two people you're doing. That's the way you need to be to start connecting. And I do this before every activity I'm about to engage with another, but specifically a conversation like this. So great. And you know, what, what I'm thinking of as you're saying that, especially with the energy part, is that from quantum physics, we know that we're exchanging subatomic particles with the person we're engaged in conversation with. Right. So literally, we're becoming a part of one another. So by us raising our own energy, we're actually bringing that to the conversation and raising the energy for both people. What makes it so important, and you're right, because we are, we're, we're literally giving, if, my, if I have an orb around me that represents my world and you, Stephanie, have one that's yours, we're, we're bringing those worlds together. And the conversation is the means at which we're starting at that point. And the funny part about it is, Someone says to me, well, what is the goal of a conversation? It's, is the goal of a conversation in business to make a sale, in marketing to, to sell a product, as a leader to you know, tell your message? No. The purpose of every conversation is to start to make that connection 
And in many cases, it might not happen right away. So many conversations, the goals might be to have another conversation and move things down the line. And those more, the more conversations we have, the more opportunities we have to connect, and the more those connections that we make grow and build our worlds. Yeah, it opens our entire world and it opens experience, like you said, an opportunity. So what an essential piece, you know, and I think as, as a therapist, this has been such an important thing to me oh. in working with clients, teaching people around communication. And I, so I wonder, Lou, about this piece. One of the things I find that I am doing so often in couples counseling is teaching the couple about active listening, which is also also an intrinsic part of communication. What's, what are your thoughts about that? So the first steps, and I, I have six ways in which you need to be, and I'm not going to cover them all on your podcast because people can go hear me speak, but the, the, the ways to kick things off on the ways you need to be to be a better connector, to have better conversations. The first two, set your mode to be asking and be listening. You, in theory, could pair that together, Stephanie, and you could say that that would be curious, right? At the end of the day, right? If I'm in a mode of asking questions and I'm listening to the responses, that is embracing curiosity. But it is real important that we start working on be asking and be listening as opposed to be telling and be talking. Because in your, when you're in the telling and talking mode, you're only making things about your world. You're not trying to connect. You're not trying even to have a conversation. You're just trying to spew out something that you have with you. When you're asking great questions, you're going to begin conversations with those you are going to engage with and you're going to like to do business with or like to have a relationship with or like to spend your time with. Mm -hmm. So the mode, like any great therapist, let's call it what it is. The best listeners are coaches. Coaches might know the answers, they might not know the answers, but they're going to certainly ask and guide questions so that they can draw the answers out of you. Because in a conversation, what are we trying to do? We're trying to draw what somebody else is about them. And it's a give and take. So I am absolutely at the epicenter that being coach-like, be asking, be listening, is at the root of where every great conversation begins and where great connectors know how to play. And when you're not asking and listening, and if you're talking and telling, is anybody listening is the question I ask. Which is great because so often, as you said, that's a monologue. It's, yeah. it's not a dialogue for sure. And I have to share with you, it makes me think of Carvel Hendricks, who is one of the great relationship therapists of our time. And he spoke about a time when he went out to dinner with a group of people he didn't know. It was like a dinner event. And he ends up at this table with all of these women didn't know one of them. And he decided he would just do active listening and not say a thing about himself. And he shared the ironic thing coming out of that is as they were walking out the door, the women were saying, I just had the best conversation. I just feel so close to you. <laughs> and, and the irony being he hadn't shared a thing, but through the act of active listening and acting those kind of questions, there was still connection made. So one of the key things that I learned throughout my career was that I was very good at asking questions and I knew how to be asking and be listening all the time. That skill was amplified times a hundred when I started hosting the podcast program, Thrive Loud, and the many other shows that have happened thereafter, because I was literally intentionally positioning myself 
as somebody that needed to ask questions and listen to the responses to provide a good show. But what was funny was I recognized the asking part a lot of people have down. It's the listening part that they're not. I've seen hosts who come in with a set script that they want to ask certain questions and they're not even paying attention to any of the responses that are coming back from the questions that they asked. And I've seen that and heard it in a way where I'm like, wait a minute, this guy's just basically doing a monologue by just asking questions, which means he really is not in the mode of listening. So to your point, therapists, coaches, business professionals, managers, leaders, everyday people, people in a relationship trying to figure out how to make the relationship work. You got to step in to be asking, be listening. And if you think about it, I want to connect in my conversation. That's the mode I need to be. This is, again, the way you need to be, not what you need to do. Well, and then it becomes like, as you're saying that, I'm, I'm picturing this figure eight that, you know, we're sharing as we're also asking the questions and listening for the response. And then we can share. And it becomes like this beautiful, interconnected infinity sign. So that's very funny because you either got a peek in my book or, or whatever it might be, but we actually have something really funny about conversations themselves. And this is the thing that we learned in Speakeasy that was really fascinating. I say we like myself, the team of people that I work with, and a lot of the people that I pulled in because they're incredible conversationalists and, and people who are great interviewers that we have experienced in our lives that we get to see on television, by the way, every night and night, late night talk show hosts, radio interviewers. Um, from Oprah Winfrey to Howard Stern to Larry King of, of, of your, these types of people were so good at sitting in those interviews. And there were a lot of lessons in the way that they conducted those conversations. And what I started to realize when you dig into what's going on in that interaction and the energy that's happening in a really good conversation, it becomes engaging and an engaging conversation. Then, as you said, in that perfect infinity sign leads to a great conversation. So a great conversation becomes an engaging one, and then it continues to engage and converse with that particular flow. So it is an absolute give and take that just keeps going. And you actually, I'll even use a yin yang sign here. There is this balance of give and take that has to happen in a conversation, a really good one. And really good conversationalists know how to balance both sides of the conversation itself to make it flow and be engaging so that we could have a great one and have a great connection. Well, and the amazing feeling we walk away with yes. when we have those encounters. I mean, there's nothing like it. And if, yeah, I know you've had those interviews on your show and been in those interviews as well. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's really interesting when we, when, when I decided, by the way, let's, let's give a little background. When I decided to look into Speakeasy, Speakeasy was not supposed to be a book about conversations. As to your point, it originally was going to be just about listening. And then I realized that something happened with connections where the conversation is actually the art form. And since I was doing so many of them, and literally, as I sit in front of a microphone, this is what I was in front of every day. I started to realize something even more magical about a conversation. That conversations, we don't even have to be the ones having the conversation to be engaged by the conversation. We watch, you have listeners right now who are engaging with us in our conversation right now and are reckoning that this is actually content. Every dialogue that you see on a, in a television show, when the conversation happens, it's, it's that engaging conversation that we're actually drawn to. Um, when we're in an outside meeting and you see two people having a conversation and you're outside of it, 
I'm not being gossipy or like eavesdropping, but people who are in, interested and they're part of that conversation, just they're not the ones speaking. People are actually listening and asking and they're observing the conversation in a way that engages us, that lifts us up, that almost kind of excites us. Uh, I don't know exactly the quote right now from the book, but I looked into this and somebody used the quote that we can't live without conversations. It feeds us. It literally is if uh, without conversations, like I, I don't think we would die with them, but we would certainly be hung on the vine without them. We'd start talking to ourselves, whether we'd be listening or not is a whole other story, <laughs> which by the way, was amplified again. The pandemic was, was what I would call, you know, the great amplifier. It, it, it put stress on things that we needed to change. Business processes changed things, ways that we did things got, got fast forwarded really, really quickly. And I also think it, it showed something interesting and I'll do this because we're recording this right now in zoom one-on-one one-on-one is okay. And for coaches in one-on-one, this was a great band-aid and I'm using the term band-aid because the conversation you and I are having, we're not getting cut off. I could speak. You could speak. You can speak. I could speak. And that's great. People started throwing more people into zoom rooms in their professional environment. And you would have multiple people in there. The technology doesn't allow us to have that energy that we have when we're in a meeting room, when actually a couple of people can speak at the same time. In fact, the technology wouldn't allow it. It would cut somebody off. Only one person could have the mic at one time. So were we really having energizing conversations or just a lot of one-way transmission conversations in Zoom? It's a really interesting point, which is why we were so tired because you had to exert so much more energy to connect with other people virtually than when you're in a room when you can feel it. And I could tell this to you because many events have come back in person. More people are together now. And I've just been doing this exercise where I actually want people to go introduce themselves and start a conversation with someone. That's how I started off. I'll say, get up from where you're sitting, go find someone you don't know and go meet them and have a quick conversation. They'll engage and we'll maybe even ask them a couple of things. You know, what's your favorite, what's your favorite dessert or what do you love to do? What are you planning to do here? Something really quick. And then we'll stop and I'll pinpoint a bunch of people and say, can you share with the rest of the audience? what you learned about Stephanie, what you learned about Lou. And then they'll go out there and they'll share it. Stephanie, what was amazing was everybody was even more drawn into what other people were saying. They wanted to listen to that conversation. And when I asked them the most important question, after we did a couple of these, they said, I want to ask you one question. How good does this feel right now? It was so important, Stephanie, because everybody was in agreement. It felt good to go meet somebody. It felt good to be in a room to connect. It felt good to connect your voice, to exert that energy so that you can actually connect with another individual through great conversations together. So I state this, that these conversations can happen in all different ways. We can do them in emails, which really isn't that way, but we should always know the ways that we need to be. Be asking and be listening in the way we interact with people and the conversations we have, we're gonna start to increase the likelihood that we can make the connection we need to every time we, every time we talk. So powerful. I love this. So you talk about this in Speakeasy. You do this in your events. Talk about how you see this playing out in your own life, in your own personal life. Yeah, it makes it difficult, you know, because I definitely better take the listening co- uh, coin with my wife because, you know, I'm, she's certainly not going to listen to me. No, I, I joke about this. Uh, I'll tell you uh, where it's actually helped. It's ha- I've tried to carry forward all of this in every conversation I have. Where sometimes I, I grew up in a house and I and I a love a lovely fun environment 
it is tough to get a word in edgewise. We were terrible. We would, everybody would cut everybody off. Um, everyone had so much to say. Everyone spoke very quickly, not intentionally. It was more to just because we had so many things to add to a conversation. I will say that as, as a parent of, you know, all, now one's graduating college and the other is, is halfway through, uh, they're grown adults. I am way more attentive to listening now than when I have the conversations with them, as opposed to wanting to tell them something. And it's hard because when we started out as, as younger parents, they wanted to learn from us. We did have to tell them certain things. You had to come from a place of teaching and from telling as opposed to from asking. So as you get older and they're a little bit more receptive and they can engage and they can obviously have their own opinions, engaging that part as, in my family has been very important. It's still hard uh, because because you have so many emotions dealt with family, but in my, with my friends, with the people I work with, the people I network with, the associations I'm affiliated with, I bring that connect your voice thing into everything I do. That's how I need to start because it's my setting. It's, it, it sets me on the, the needle. Everyone's got their meditation thing. I do that. I do that because I'm like, it's a reminder, a checklist, because if I don't do it, I'll do kind of what I'm doing a little now. And I know that I'm supposed to be set for the stage because you're asking me the question to provide information to your audience. I might get ahead of myself and start talking too much. Or I might be telling. I want to be asking because I love the engagement and the energy that happens in the conversation. And you do, you do it so well, though, because I've been on the flip side of this. And I've been where you were asking amazing conversa- you know, conversational questions and I was responding. It was just this awesome flow. So, I mean, obviously you have the skill down. I'm curious, Lou, too, though, what about when conversations go bad or conversations go sideways? Because we live in this cancel culture right now where people are afraid to speak and they're afraid to say say the wrong thing. What, What is your advice or what are your thoughts around what we can do when that happens? So I think... First of all, I think that there, there also should be some ground rules that happen before you have any conversation and business meetings should do this too. And I think it's important, especially when you begin to have difficult conversations. Uh, one, one of the features we do in the book, which is kind of cute, the name Speakeasy, we do play on the 100 year old Speakeasy idea where it was a secret knock to let into a club. And it was kind of like, almost like a bar like atmosphere where it was a cool hip place to be. We want to let people into this cool hip place. And a lot of the talks we talk about in the book are very much focused on that little bar theme drink. We actually have conversational flights, which we talk about in the special bar cart menu. Um, And I give directions and and instructions on how to handle certain conversations, like a difficult conversation or a conversation about money or the 800 pound gorilla in the room that somebody doesn't want to address it. And by the way, we give different tips and instructions on how to address each one of those. But the difficult conversation at the end of the day, specifically in this world where we're afraid to say the wrong thing, we're afraid to engage in a conversation that might do that. I have an interesting way to approach this. And if you come from all those places of where you need to be, if you start off by asking and by listening, by the way, it'll let you know where you're allowed to go. Uh, permission-based selling has been a very popular activity in sales, which is asking permission before you move to every next step. Mm-hmm. Is it okay if I show you this particular slide? Is it okay if I tell you about our product? Can I share with you what we've done for some of our other clients? These are ways to gauge and communicate in the business environment. 
let's spin that and put that into the difficult conversation. When people are talking about race, um, diversity, inclusion, or lack of inclusion, or political conversations, a lot of these things are very difficult to engage in because we are so polar taken onto our, our views and our beliefs and our side that we think that this is how it should be. And anyone who isn't speaking and talking about those things is against me. That's actually how we viewed it. And that's how media outlets and certain things have been pushing and driving it, which isn't making, which is creating that disconnection. But watch how people are when you ask permission to have that conversation. Can we talk about this uncomfortable topic? Is it okay if I go down this line of questioning? It's asking permission to do that. Can I ask you a question on why you see things this way? What's your thoughts? I want to make it clear. You may not come to an immediate kumbaya moment in agreement by just having a conversation. But I want to let it know. But if you go with the openness to let in other people's thoughts, other people's ideas, how they see things, be empathetic as a great coach or therapist or leader would do. And you sit into that side of it, you can understand maybe why their perspective, why they see things on that side when they have a difficult conversation. Um, I had this conversation about three years ago with a very good friend of mine uh, who's of a different race. And we talked about the issues around race in that conversation. And if you listen carefully, and every time each one of us was asking permission for the other to ask if it's okay to go down that line of questioning. I think this is one great way to do it. Because if you don't do that permission-based asking beforehand, asking permission before you can engage in those uncomfortable conversations, you run the risk of further making somebody else uncomfortable. Because it's okay if they don't want to engage in that conversation and they say, I'm not comfortable doing it. Okay, that's, that's your stopping point. And that's the point where it's okay. You know where the line is within that conversation. It might take a long time to go through that. Look, I talk to other guys who have really great hair all the time. And I'll be like, listen, I'd love to know what you do to keep your hair because I don't have any, right? I'm okay and uncomfortable with that un uncomfortable conversation because I could joke about it a little bit. But there's a lot of other conversations you might not be able to have about, about hair, about color, about anything. But if you set the stage and ask permission, before engaging in that part of the conversation and come from a genuine place of appreciating the opportunity just to have that conversation, the way you need to be will help dictate maybe if you can actually enter that conversation and whether you're going to be able to connect with that individual at all. I, I align with this so much. Again, Lou, I have to tell you, I'm loving this because it's reinforcing this, what, what some of the things I'm already doing with my couples once again, because that's one of the things that I ask couples to do is before you go and try to have a conversation with your spouse or your partner, that you don't come in and just say, hey, I need to talk or we need to talk. Because number one, whatever we hear, we need to talk. You know, that little kid inside of us that was in trouble when they heard that phrase gets <laughs> triggered. And so a better thing is just kind of like you were saying, is this a good time to have a conversation? And so once you kind of get permission to do that, being able to come into it with that open heartedness of this purpose of this meeting is for connection and understanding. Yeah. And, and I, I agree with you, Stephanie, that that's the, if you set the tone and the stage of what you're trying to achieve, let's make it clear. 
it's not always going to lead to a resolution. Make it clear, people who can have a conversation, they still not, they might not see eye to eye. Political parties, countries, arguments of, of peace. <laughs> There's been years of people still having conversations. But make it clear that every time the conversation began, remember, you might need to have another conversation. And if you have more of them, you could and would and will eventually get to the point that you will make the connection and the compromise or the agreement or agree to disagree. It's so important to recognize, again, appreciate that every chance you have to talk to another human being is a wonderful gift. And in the moment of being appreciative in that gift, you will exude that appreciation to another, which will already kind of help to build that respect that you're trying to achieve versus the disparity and the pairings, you know, the difference of opinions that might keep them apart. Again, it's a way to start to bring people together. And at the root of every connection is that great conversation. So you got to start having them. And we all know that that's where it begins. Might not end that day, but it's on the path to getting you there. Well, and I love that you're saying that through continued conversation, yes, right? We can just go deeper and deeper and understand each other, build more empathy and talk about, wow, the way that we could actually make some societal and planetary change. Speakeasy was meant to connect, engage, and win. And, and that's the idea in each chapter based on each part of the process, almost like a, a playbook, if you would, or a, you know, a, a guide to help you with certain aspects of a conversation. There's a lesson in each one of those that I geared more towards the business side, because that's where I came from, again, as a sales and marketing consultant. But it make it clear, every one of these rules can be utilized in personal situations too. And I think that was the hardest part for me to connect. And I needed to have a lot of conversations with others to understand where the bridge worked and where it didn't. And a lot of those conversations, I fortunately have the forum to do that, both in work and through the podcast and personally, uh, reached out to a lot of people to, to hear their opinions, because not everyone is going to agree it's the right way to do things, but it's certainly the, a way to start doing things. And that's, that's where I've recognized and recognizing that at the end of the day, all the things you can do is not really important. But learning the way you need to be is really the way to go. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that it's applicable to us, whether we're in business or in our personal lives. I mean, I'm really feeling that crossover. Yeah. And how, how cool. So tell people where they can get the book. I know it's not out yet. I'll give you, I'll give you all the launch date information, everything. So um, you can head over to speakeasybook.com. Uh, you also can head over to my website, thriveloud.com, which if you haven't figured out right now, is Thrive Lou D. And that's where Thrive Loud comes in, which Stephanie's mind just got blown right there. <laughs> um, yes, because I can be pretty loud. And yes, it's Thrive is, is the business that I run and Lou D is my name. But thriveloud.com, and you will also find links to there. But speakeasybook.com, the book comes out September 27th, 2022, which is crazy. So we're like 150 days away from it. There's a whole bunch of promotion coming in, but when it, you'll, you'll hear more about it, uh, there'll be lots of offers. You'll be able to get it wherever you get your books online. There also is an audiobook as well and uh, more to come on September 27th. And you'll see it in stores when you pop into places. So it'll be there as, on the shelves as well. Awesome. So excited. We will have a link for the listeners 
in your bio and all the information at the end of the show. So Lou, so awesome to have you here. If you were to leave an essential message with the audience, what would that be? I'm going to give what I sign off every show with, Stephanie, which you had the pleasure of uh, experiencing. By the way, go check out Stephanie's episode on Thrive Loud when you get a chance. See a plug for you in this particular case. She hey, was brilliant thank you, and sir. wonderful. <laughs> um, be brief, be bright, be gone. Be brief. Because this life is one fast-moving whirlwind and it goes quicker than you can imagine. Let's not try to waste other people's time and all the things we want to talk about or have conversations with. Appreciate other people's time and be brief within the, the, the engagement that you have with people. Try not to overtake someone's time. Do things in a way that gets you a chance to connect with as many people as you can in your life. In the time that you do it, you should be bright. You should bring the brilliance and let yourself shine. Let the thing inside of you that you care about, your superpower, your charisma, your uniqueness, let that come through. Don't hold that stuff back. Remember, every conversation is a gift. So when you have a chance to do it, unleash it. Let people have a chance to learn and connect with who you are. And while be gone might feel like a mic drop moment, Stephanie, be gone goes in line with what my company and my brand is all about, which is thrive. Be gone means to move onward and upward which is what thrive means. And that's kind of my message. Be brief, be bright, be gone with just about everything you do each and every day. Awesome. Love it. Love talking to you, Lou. So awesome to have you here. Thank you so much for what you're sharing. Uh, Thank you so much. And thank you. What an honor and a privilege to be on your program, Stephanie. Thank you. Thank you. So join us again for the spark with Stephanie James, igniting your best life and go check out if you are a woman please go check out our Becoming Fierce Women's Empowerment event, June 24th through the 26th. You can find that on my website, stephaniejames.world. You can click right on it there. You can go directly to stephaniejames.world forward slash Becoming Fierce. Excited to see you there. And thank you so much for listening.